0: Good morning. How are you doing today, Michael? Good. How are you? Fantastic. What an amazing book. There's there's happiness in this book because you're, ju- you're just constantly learning new things. And I, I, I swear that makes the body happy. It's <laughs> good to hear. One <laughs> one of the things about this book is that it's like these are the, the it, it's like it puts the book into the hands of young adults and children in the way that don't go to Google. We've got some answers here, and that's what I love about it. Especially when you're talking about things like dragon's blood being a cure. Let my God, let's start it off there. <laughs>
1: well, that was that was one ingredient in a, a potion called uh, Saint Paul's potion, <laughs> which is said to cure. Uh, several illnesses, including an upset stomach. Um, The ingredients also included licorice and fennel, which I think we use today as teas for for digestive issues. So there probably was something to it. But then the dragon's blood was um, obviously not from a dragon. Uh, It was uh, red resin from a tree that came from uh, some parts of Africa. But the potion also did include real blood from a a cormorant, so when you drank that potion you were getting quite a mixture of of things. I I cannot speak to how how well it treated the illness
0: though. (laughs) (laughs) It almost sounds like Dr. Pepper, because didn't it start off as a medicinal? I think so. Yeah. Yes, that sounds right. <laughs> one of the fascinating things in the book is that we all like pyramids. I mean, you, you go into the Mayan ruins, but one of what got my attention were the mounds. North Carolina has mounds in them. They don't get a lot of attention, but it was very interesting to find other nations that have mounds.
1: hmm Well, in certain other parts of, of the United States, I mean, the big one being in Cahokia um, yeah. in southern Illinois, that was I, I don't remember now the dimensions but it was it was huge and uh, I think it was the Vikings that had mounds for burial mounds so yeah you see you see certain things that, that are repeated uh, in places that didn't have contact with each other which is interesting
0: you you turn it into fun turning history into fun how is it that you're able to do that I mean do you, do you sit around in in conferences and go okay how can we make that fun or is it I mean because it's just so naturally absorbing
1: I, well, I think part of it is you know how National Geographic designs their books. they They have great designers and illustrators. and and this book is heavy on illustrations, but they're 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 fun, they're vibrant. Um, and then we have the text, you know, broken up into different pieces, so it doesn't feel kind of overwhelming. Yep. Yep. And then within the text, uh, the my editors, uh, you know, kind of give me free rein to use puns and jokes and make allusions to things that, you know, maybe aren't really directly related to the middle ages, but you know, you you hear a word and it makes you think of something that's contemporary (laughs) and you play around with that. And, uh, I, you know, I, I hope that kids get a lot of those, those things, but I think, any parents or grandparents who might be reading along with their kids will hopefully get yeah. some of those uh, word plays that go over the head of a eight or nine-year-old, so it, it'll be entertaining for them as well.
0: Well, you're definitely in touch with those young adult readers, because when you've got things in here, you know, Spotlight on the Legends of the Lore, they love folklore, and you have really you know, brought them closer to the stories.
1: Well, it's nice to hear. I mean, you know, and, and for me, one of the fascinating things about doing a book like this is I learned so much. I mean, I I studied history in college. I took one class on the Middle Ages. I didn't know probably ninety percent of the things in here. So I'm I'm getting to to learn a lot, and then you know, then the challenge is taking the what I learned and and making it accessible to kids. So that's that's what i enjoy about what i do
0: there's there's also some reality in here because i mean we're we're fresh out of the, the covid-19 lockdown and the and the, the pandemic that swept across the world so I, I love the idea that you that you put focus on the deadliest diseases because we, we can't forget about the black death we can't forget about the bad bugs that right. are still out there and things so you're very honest with this
1: that's true and I, you know it's funny because this book i started it before covid wow <laughs> we, took a we took a break because of covid the book was kind of shelved for a while and then finished it and so you know going back to that those parts about the black death was made it feel very you know it's like wow this is this is really relevant and you know we don't mention covid directly but i would think that kids who have lived through that you know they might make a connection i mean we talk about the root of the word quarantine so that's certainly a word that became part of their vocabulary the beginning of of the pandemic so Again, it's it's nice to have times where you can make the connections for the past and the present, and you know you you can't avoid some of the darker things. I mean, you know, obviously warfare, yeah. um, and religious conflict. I mean, that was all part of of that his that historic period too. So, we just tried to retreat that stuff respectfully, and maybe you don't have as many jokes about some of the serious things. But um, I think you can still make it uh, interesting for the kids.
0: Photographs, you know, they always say we'll create a thousand words. But what I love about your words is that you can take something, a photograph that we have seen a million times, such as the Dome of the Rock, and you share the story. It's right there. We don't have to go digging for it or anything like that, because we see these famous places in all of these, if we're watching TV and all of a sudden, but we don't, you know, really have a, a resource, but you do. This book really is a great resource.
1: Yeah. And again, you know, I, I, the fact that National Geographic just has access to so many wonderful images and, 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 you know, I didn't tell them get an image of this or that, but, you know, their photo researchers know like, okay, this is going to be the best way to illustrate that. And obviously with something like Dome of the Rock or other buildings, it's it's a pretty obvious choice, but they they had some really... Uh, just excellent selection of, of of photos to illustrate the word. So that's I'm very lucky <laughs> to be working with them
0: in in a very creative way. Are you not introducing the Middle Ages to the to the preteens as well as the younger ones? Because I mean, it's a, to them it's like okay, well, 1980 was 40 years ago. But but this this book mm. really does help you dive into a time in history that we should never forget.
1: Right, right. No, I, I hope you know that's certainly the intent. And uh, and again, I, I I think that trying as mi- many times as possible to make connections from the past to today, um, like we have a spread about uh, inventions from the Song Dynasty. Yeah. And those are things that were invented then that we still use: paper money, gunpowder, uh, magnetic compass. So it's it's trying to to let them see that you know things aren't in isolation. There's 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 connections. That we got where we are today because of what happened in the past. That's the thing that's always fascinated me, and that's what I hope—I uh, hope I stir some interesting kids about that.
0: Oh, you do, and and if, if if anything, it starts a conversation with the adult, and then they sit down with their with their little ones and say, "You're not going to believe what I just found in this book." Because when you when you see mm-hmm. a, a parent laughing or giggling about a story, the kids always want to know more. Tell me, what what are you looking at? Mm-hmm. And and what it does, right. it serves as an invitation.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah, I I hope that's how it works, definitely.
0: How did you put all of this together into one? I mean because it, the the illustrations, the pictures, everything. I mean, this had to have been a chore, but at the same time, you got it, it feels like you had a great time putting it together
1: i did i did and again you know as far as the illustrations that that's really out of my hands i mean i might make suggestions yeah. for, for a spread you know let's have a map of this or picture of this but then it's really up to the to the photo researchers and the designers to to execute it um for me you know, the the interesting part was doing an outline going, doing the basic research figuring out what are the topics we should include how how best to organize them and then filling in the details by doing more research and, and and, and you know the process. Like I said, we started this uh, in 2019, I believe. And it's even without COVID, it it it's a long process. It takes a couple of years to do a book like this. And and that's because there's my part with the research and writing. There's the editing. There's the fact checking, and then there's all the the illustration, design element. It's a it's a big process. A very collaborative effort.
0: Feathers have always been a major part of my spiritual life in the way that I they, they, there's a life after the bird has it and that because people will laugh about it they you know they they'll find it on a forest floor but to read about feathers that are filled with gold I this is awesome it shows how important that quill really is after the bird.
1: Mm-hmm, hmm and, and one of the other things that I always find interesting is how the feathers were traded as, um, like parrot feathers were traded as valuable goods, and and that to show how there was the interaction of different cultures. You know, in the desert southwest, the United States, there are any parrots, but yet they find parrot feathers. So obviously they were trading with, with people much farther south, and, and um, I just always am fascinated by the, by the way uh, the people of different cultures and areas Intermingled through trade, and not only goods were traded, but also ideas and and then inventions. It's um, yeah, I I I think that this era helps us see that you know globalization uh, is not necessarily a new concept. You know, it has it has its roots back in this period.
0: That would be so fun in the way that, you know, trading uh, feathers as as a monetary thing because, you know, macaw feather, it buys this, but where a blue crown conure feather will get this, or an eagle's feather, it's right. like, whoa, hey, we're, we're talking right. about something here. <laughs> <laughs> now, we all know that the, the knights in shining armor are some of the greatest stories of all time, but to dive into this inside this book where you're showing us what to wear to war.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 you know, and and the evolution, you know, you go from like leather armor to to chainmail, and to the solid um, solid metal, um, and then we have a, a spread where we look at the same thing with um, with the uh, samurai in Japan. Yes, where they they have very particular uh, outfits, and, and and of course helmets being very important because um, you know you've got to you got to protect your eyes and and your brain, and so uh, yeah, it's it was interesting again this I you know obviously i was more familiar with um the medieval knights garb yeah. than, than than the samurai so that's where i had to do a little bit more research but it's it's yeah and you know it, in a way it's i don't know a little sad that warfare is such a big <laughs> part of, of this history but it is and so you just have to you just address it and um and i think especially for young boys i think they they kind of gravitate towards that anyways
0: oh yeah and as a martial artist i'm sitting here looking at the 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 warfare uh and i don't want to call it a costume but, but but what they had to wear to war and I, it's like as a martial artist i couldn't wear that i i couldn't move the way that i was trained to move in something right. like that right right what did you learn from this project because there's always going to be something that you guys have learned you're going let like it's an oh my god moment
1: well, you know, g- getting it down to a granular level, just some of the, the facts were were really fascinating. This is one that I've I've um, had no idea about. So there there was a Danish king named Harold, like 9th to 10th century. He unified the Danes, brought Christianity to them. Um, he was known for having a diseased tooth that was kind of bluish black, <laughs> and so he got the nickname Harold Bluetooth. Well, it, you know, centuries later, there's an engineer working on a device to or a process to connect our phones and, and laptops and all these devices wirelessly and he reads about Harold and sees that he was a unifier he's like well my device is unifying so we get the Bluetooth that we use on our computers and phones
0: Wow, Michael you got to come back to this show anytime in the future the door is always going to be open for you
1: oh I appreciate that That's that's great
0: excellent thank you so much for this book where can they go to find out more about the book and to find out more about what National Geo is doing for kids
1: I think, well, National Geographic Kids has a website, so that would be one place to go. You can find the book at any online retailer, and uh, if if you want to know more about my books in particular, it's uh, michaelbergen.net, and that's B-U-R-G-A-N.
0: I love it. Well, you be brilliant today, okay, sir? Oh,
1: thanks. You too.